Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. You hey, ready to do this? Sure. Um, I want to, you know, uh, you're in charge, so tell me what you need. and uh, uh, Just just follow me. I, I love having free-form conversations. Excellent. I did my research. and uh, Okay. I think we'll be. I think we'll Excellent. be in good hands. We'll see. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm sure that you're. <laughs> and if I make any mistakes, we could we could fix it. You later. can always edit if uh, if I make any mistakes. Is that correct? There you go. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Excellent. All right. Thank you. My name's Jim Serpico, and this. Should I start with my name, or should I start with this is bread for the people? Do you like it like this? Welcome to bread. Or do you like it like this? Welcome. Ready? Welcome to bread for the people. Mine. Is there a script? Welcome to Bread for the People. I'm Jim Serpico. My guest today is an author of several books, including the book Come to the Table, which is available right now everywhere you get your books. I had the opportunity to read the book, and I can tell you, I think I gained 10 pounds just reading it. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited to go through um the history of, of some of these recipes, what's, what it's all about. Anne Byland is with me today. Besides writing all these great books, Anne is an entrepreneur, a franchiser, a mom, and a family person. She is also the founder of Aunt Annie's Pretzels. And welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Jim. And I'm so uh, happy to be with you today on your program. And I love the fact that what we have in common is bread. Bread. We do have bread <laughs> in common. Um, we actually have a lot of things in common. Excellent. Um, I am a farmer's market vendor. Huh. Wow. Um, and I know that you kind of started doing your thing with Aunt Annie by doing farmer's market. So... We could start there and maybe go backwards, but here's what I know about that. You were living, I believe, in Pennsylvania. Correct. And to make some extra money, you drove two hours each way to Maryland to do a farmer's market where you were not just selling pretzels, right? That's correct. You're right. You were selling pies. Yes, and, and candy. And candy. Uh -huh. And at some point, you realized the pretzel thing, after changing the recipe at your husband's suggestion... Uh, was really starting to hit. And then you're also a showman. 
Because I believe what you did was roll out the pretzels in front of the customers. Yes. And when we did that, you know, Jim, we never, we had no idea that it was actually interesting to the people. It was kind of a theatrical kind of a thing. And people would stand there and just watch us make the pretzels. So I guess maybe I am somewhat of a showman, showwoman. <laughs> I mean, I, I like to think that I am. And yeah. um, I say to the other like friends of mine, uh, friends of mine that are pizza makers or bread makers and other vendors at farmers markets, like it's theater. Uh, it is what we're doing is theater. Mm -hmm. And I recently, this is my first season with a, a food truck. And the reason I got it, even though I'm not using it for that re the reason I in originally intended to, I was going to make fresh mozzarella in front of the people and mm -hmm. then sell it. And to do that, I needed certain equipment mm -hmm. to get by the board of mm -hmm. health. Um, but I am always aware of the theater and what separates you from everyone else. Um, and uh, people like like the event aspect. They like to see it and be a part of it. I think the other part that they enjoy is they can actually see as, you know, Auntie Anne's, we make our product right in front of the customer as well. So we do all the mixing. And yes. I think how people... In, I don't know how much they pay attention to that, but if they want, they can see exactly what we're putting in the... You know, so it's fresh and it's made in front of them and it feels uh, it's a feel good product. And it's plus it tastes really, really good. I mean, <laughs> even before I was into professional baking, um, I live in Long Island. The Roosevelt Field oh, yeah. was a big, big mall. You had a big presence there. Yes. I could remember standing in front of that window, being amazed at the skills. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't about what ingredients were going in at the Correct. time for me. It was more, more the skills of the pretzel rolling skills. And wow, this is how they do it. And these people must have rolled so many pretzels. They were just experts. Uh -huh. it, and it was cool to watch. Yeah. yeah. And, as, and today, Jim, there's many people come to me and tell me as a kid, they did the exact same, uh, what you're describing. They stood in front of one of the Auntie Anne windows there and just uh, enjoyed watching uh, the employees roll the product and so yeah that is part of Auntie Anne's which that was not our plan but it, we soon recognized that it's fun to roll product and people comment on that it's just a it just became a, a I would when I was doing the stores myself the my favorite part of the job was to actually roll pretzels so it is fun really yes so when you say it wasn't your plan like at some point were the windows added or did someone come up with the idea? Let's let the people see this. At what point did that become? Was it after you started franchising? No, no, we did that from from day one. Um, we just built the store was built that way. And uh, you mentioned the Maryland farmers market. That's when I actually was introduced to hand rolled soft pretzels in in July of 1987. And in January of 19, I'm sorry, February of 1988, about six months later, then we bought our own store in Downingtown, Pennsylvania. But the store that I went to work for, and they, I, I was a manager there, and um, that's how they built the store. And so then, fast forward seven months later, we bought a store sight unseen. We had no idea what it looked like. Uh, we knew that the pretzels, the people that were selling the store were also selling pretzels, but that really wasn't like our plan. Uh, so we get there and the store, once again, 
had this, uh, this plexiglass for the window between the customer and the employee making the pretzels. I'm like, wow. Okay. So it just became a part of uh, how we did anti-ends from that point on. Now, am I mistaken or am I correct in that the original store, like you at the farmer's market, wasn't just pretzels, but were you selling pizza? That's correct. We were selling, uh, we bought this tour that had pretzels, pizza, ice cream, and drinks and strombolis. Um, so yeah, we started out, we had no idea, but um, within seven months of buying the store, uh, we had, as you mentioned, perfected the recipe and um, we were already in our second store in Harrisburg. And my, my sister who was running the first store um, she called her and said, Ann, I cannot keep up with the, the pretzels. The, I, I, I can't make them fast enough. I said, I'm going to get rid of the pizza. And over the telephone, I argued with her. I'm like, no, we can't, we, we, we can't get rid of the pizza. I mean, we have lots of, we do pretty well with the pizzas. And I just said, well, I know I'm not the boss. I don't own this, but I just can't keep up. And I said, well, hey, do whatever you feel is right. Well, at that point then, she actually got rid of the pizza. And we went on selling pretzels. And that became our uh our, uh, our product. So when you first started doing the pretzels, you were working for someone else. Correct. Is that, and you started to become familiar with the recipe and interested in it and improving it? No, I wasn't interested in improving it. I, we had a great product in Burtonsville. Um, this is kind of a long story, but when, when I got to my downtown market again, I knew, I, I knew what we were, the ingredients that we had for Burtonsville. When we got to Downingtown, I didn't understand in a nutshell, I did not understand there are a couple of hundred, you probably know this, uh, kinds of flour. And oh, yeah. so what I did was I used the flours that we had in, that was left at that particular store that we bought. They had some, uh, they had a number of bags of uh, clothes, I mean, that left over and they just left it there. And so I used what they had. And the result of that was I had a horrible pretzel and I could not understand why. I, I didn't realize. What? Was it denser? I'm not even going to talk about that. I'm just telling you it was a very different, <laughs> it was a very okay. different kind of flower. And so because we didn't understand that, so one day I was going to take the pretzels off of my menu board because they were terrible after maybe two months of just really trying to perfect, uh, I don't know, the baking, the, uh, the trays, the ovens, the temperature, everything, nothing worked. And, uh, went down to market one day and my husband happened to go with me that particular Friday. And I said, "Hun, I'm, I'm, I'm done with the pretzels. I'm not doing it anymore. They're horrible. We're not selling that many. They look terrible. They taste terrible. And I'm just going to take them off the menu. And he said, now, before you, for, before you do that, let me try something that may work. Now, Jonas was a little Amish guy at home. I, we grew up Amish, both of us. And he was the, the baker in his family. His mom was an invalid and he became the helper in the kitchen. And he always made cookies and breads and pies and cakes. And so he knew something about baking. Um, and he said, let me just try something. I said, well, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm done. So I said, well, just, just wait. So he went to the store and bought some ingredients and, um, he came back, we added to our recipe and voila, Auntie Anne's pretzel. It was an instant overnight. I mean, instant success after that. The That's product amazing. went from 
nothing. I couldn't even eat it myself to, um, I couldn't stop eating. It was unbelievable. We just stood there in awe, like, what is this? So what we know today is that NTNs was a created by God because we could never have figured it, we would never have figured it out on our own how to do this. And then to, then we became crazy about, I, I, I just became, I call myself a wild woman. Everybody that walked past our store, I, they had to try the product. And so I would stand out there and give samples or even hold pretzels. I, it, it didn't matter to me. You just had to try the product. So, Hey, if you're out there, you're trying to sell something, make sure it's better than the best that's out there. That's so cool. <laughs> so you, you mentioned that you, you guys grew up Amish. Um, and I know there's many types of Amish and I learned that by reading your book. Uh, so I, I do want to get into the book now. Come to the sure. table. Um, I, I love uh, the, you, the first 12 or so pages really give a history of you growing up and the regimen of your day and your family's day. And you actually, as a family, I think you're one of eight siblings. Correct. Came to the table with your parents three times a day and had a meal and you guys loved it every day without fail. And I, you know, I don't, attri I attribute some of that to uh, the Amish heritage, but I also believe that it's the, the culture of farmers farming, the farming community. There is such a, it's such a disciplined life um, that it wasn't just, my culture, I, I think it's a farming community culture that really, even to this day, I know that the Amish people, the farmers, still hold that tradition very, very close to heart. And um, I mean, it didn't matter where we were on the farm. My dad may have been out, uh, you know, cultivating or uh, mowing hay or uh, combining wheat, whatever it was, uh, at 12 o'clock, 11.30, 12 o'clock, Everybody knew it was time to come in. In the morning, uh, we milked the cows, and after we were done milking, everybody sat at the table. Um, in the evening, we had five o'clock dinner just before we went to milk the cows again. So it, it was very predictable, and there were no TVs in our culture. There was no radio, if you can imagine that. I know most people in the world cannot even fathom that, but maybe you can. I'm not sure what your age is, but uh, but we we just um, we had no electronics. Uh, well, you didn't even have electricity originally. Originally, right? originally, until I turned, but, I was about three when my mom and dad got electricity. So I grew up with that. Can we talk about uh, this sure. for a second and break it down a little of bit? Of course. Older, uh, please help me out. <laughs> older Amish, there's a certain type of Amish that really lives by the book and the rules. That's called and that, Old Order Amish. Old Order Amish. Yes. And... When you were born for the first three or so years, they were still old or older order Amish. Old order Amish. Yes, we were old, old, old right. order Amish. So no electricity. Correct. Um, we had we had running water, but we had an outside uh, bathroom outside uh, until I was ten. Um, so we had no bathtubs. Um, we had it's uh, kind of crazy when I think about that in my lifetime, all of the changes that have happened, but yes, it was pretty, it was very primitive, but you listen, let me tell you, 
It was a very safe environment. I learned how to work really hard there, but we learned how to play hard as well. And we understood the value of hard work and the reward of hard work wasn't, um, hmm, it wasn't, we're going to go to the store and get candy or ice cream. It's just that the satisfaction, I can feel that in my heart as I say that word to you, the satisfaction of just working hard and giving it your very best. And then mom and dad just being pleased with what you did. That was the reward. And um, yeah. I don't know. I, I also, yeah. I, I wonder if part of it, um, I, I've never been a farmer, but I can tell you that um, I know for sure I could make more money uh, than I'm making now. Uh, I, I, I'm choosing to bake, uh, and it's not very lucrative. Uh-huh. I, I you know, but there is this sense of seeing physically what you did yes at the end of the day so i wonder that's the other thing about farming it's pretty tangible all these people this family comes together and at the end of the day and at the end of the season you really see the results right absolutely and and if we didn't do our jobs all of us all eight of us kids mom and dad of course but uh you know we would gather all kinds of fruit and vegetables um, all summer long and freeze them and can them for, to get through the winter. And mom would kind of ration all the vegetables, you know, say, well, we have to, we can't have corn today because we're almost out and we got a plant garden that winter's not over yet. So we were constantly uh, managing our food. We always had enough to eat. So I don't want to leave you with the impression that we didn't have enough to eat, but we had to constantly manage the food that we gathered in the fall of the year. Yeah. And, and you didn't you didn't have refrigeration? Uh, yes, we did. Uh, in the in the uh, let me think in the Amish when 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 we were Amish after we left the old order Amish, we had electricity. So we did have refrigeration and we right. had a freezer. Yes. And you were at that point, your dad was what's called black car. Amish. That's correct. You did read the book. That's right. I read the book. <laughs> and, that, and that kind of Amish, black car Amish meant that we could have a car. It had to be black and we could have electricity. And my dad was able to farm with a tractor. And let me tell you, we were moving on up in the world. <laughs> but if you looked at us packing, if you saw us packing the day, you would have said there were old order Amish. We, did, we looked very much like Amish all my whole growing up life. And didn't you move towards... Uh, Milking machines or automated milking? Yes, we did. Uh, milking machines. But I remember as a kid, I, I would go out with my dad to the barn and uh, he actually milked the cows by hand. And I remember that clearly because every now and again, he would try to squirt us with milk. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, and I, I remember cleaning out by hand the, uh, you know, the mess and the, the, the barn was always uh, had to be cleaned after every uh, at the end of every day. And um, yeah, so there was so much work. I, I look at that and I'm amazed that, I don't know, like we actually did all that. But yes, it was hard work. But, you know, we never really were not allowed to. Com- well, we were not allowed to complain. My mom always said today is a good day to stop grumbling. She said that every day. So I guess we tried to complain, but she instilled in us. Don't complain. Just do the work with a cheerful heart. Right. And we tried to do that. I love the anecdote you said you, you did. You all had fun. You would make up games when you're gardening uh, to compete who could fill the basket. That's right. The quickest. That's, 
um, and you find your ways to enjoy the process. Yes. Which is interesting because um, I do that. I really making bread is very similar. Sure. And, you know, my, my kids help me, um, but they're also at different stages of their life and, and pursuing other things. And I'm not sure that they ever got to the point where it's like, hey, I'm going to do this and figure out how to enjoy it. It was more like, I got to get this done so I can get out of here. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure that wasn't some of our motivation as well. But, <laughs> but we had, you know, acres and acres of tomatoes and potatoes and corn. And so it wasn't like it was a one hour long job and you're done. Uh, but it was more like a all day, all day, all day. And, uh, you know, so the other thing that I learned on the farm, uh, Jim, was the teamwork. Um, uh, you know, I, I never realized way back then, it, it's like I was being prepared uh, for Auntie Anne's because I took everything I learned on the farm and uh, with an eighth grade education and hard work and loving people. Those were the three key ingredients that I took with me into the workplace. And it really was enough, you know, to get me started and to then, of course, bringing other people around us. And I've always said all of our employees made Auntie Anne's what it is today. And it's the employees that took Auntie Anne's around the world. But I learned teamwork on the farm with my brothers and sisters. Give me those three ingredients again. The three ingredients for, oh my God, did I say? Uh, 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 maybe you said it was teamwork. Oh yeah, teamwork, uh, hard work. And I learned how to love people. It was teamwork, okay. hard work, and loving people. See, I, I, I know life isn't linear and I'm not, I don't think it's supposed to be. Correct. And I, um, what I've realized and what I try to say to my kids, no matter what it is that you're doing now, even if this recipe is not going to matter of how you specifically make this bread, there are bigger things around it that you're going to take with you for the rest of your life. Yes, absolutely. And I, that's what I did with my father, who was a musician, but ran a, a, a company that would book his band as well as other bands and he had payroll and he had all this stuff. And I truly learned about business by watching him and being with him. And it somehow inspired all the other things I did in my life, even though it wasn't the exact job that he did, you know? Sure. I, I think that we underestimate the power of role modeling. Yeah. You know, my parents, and as you were described, your father sounds to me like he role modeled. And my parents taught me most everything I know without, uh, without telling me. Right. You know, they didn't sit all of us down and tell us, you know, how to shuck corn or how to weed the garden or um, how to uh, go out in the barn and milk. Like they did all of that. And they role modeled and uh, role modeling, in my they, opinion, is the strongest form of teaching. They gave you access without belittling oh, you. Oh, my goodness. I was uh, I was in the kitchen as a as a kid. My I had hay fever when I was growing up and uh, I was the only one of eight children. And um, my mom that that then just gave me access or mom. I became her helper in the kitchen. I cooked and I baked and. 
And as all the other kids were outside doing the yard work and all those things, eventually I got out of the field and I stayed in the kitchen. And uh, my mom, she never belittled me about anything. And I, I know I was a messy little kid, uh, eight, nine, 10 years old, trying to you know bake and make cookies and pies. But at the age of 11 and 12, my mom trusted me to the point where uh, she went to market in Philadelphia one day a week on a Thursday night. It was the only time that she wasn't at home when I got home from school. And she left me a note and said, Annabeth, my, my real name is Anna, and she would call me Annabeth. Uh, tonight, I want you to bake. And she had a whole list of anywhere from 60 to 70 pies and cakes <laughs> that I had to bake that evening after school so that my dad could take them to market in the morning. And I remember in the morning, at night, I would go down literally many times crying because I knew I missed mom. I, I wanted her to be there. And yet I knew I had this job to do and I did it alone. And we had this huge uh, pizza oven. It was like a big, a major pizza oven that my dad bought f so that I could bake uh, a lot at one time. And uh, yeah, so I did that every Thursday night for about two years. And in the morning, my dad would, I'd have everything all ready for him. And he'd come and put it in pie shelves and in cases and take it to the Philadelphia market. But the look on his face and when he picked up his pies and said, oh, these look good and just complimented me in that way. I never got paid for it. I, did, I didn't get one dime for it. But you know what? I didn't. I didn't care. It didn't matter. I was contributing to the well-being of the family. And you you continued to do that for the rest of your life. That's right. I mean, at the farmers markets, didn't you take that money and give it to your family? Exactly. I all the money I ever made until I got married, I gave it to my mom and dad when I got home uh, at the end of the workday, whatever it was. And uh, then in in. Mm, as a repayment for that, they furnished our house when we got married, which furnished meant, you know, living room suit, washer and dryer, stove, and the, the necessities in our home, and they provided all that. So that was my reward for the years that I worked for mom and dad. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's really, you know, all I ever wanted to do in life was to please my mom and dad. <laughs> I don't know what that was instilled in us as kids, you know, is my mom always said, God first, then your family, and then be kind to each other, you know, and she was, there was a line that she used often. And she would say to us probably almost every day, little children love each other. Do not give each other pain. When one speaks to you in anger, do not answer them again. Um, you know, so she was constantly uh, telling us, giving us these one-liners every day to remind each other to be kind, love each other, and, you know, do whatever uh, a family should do. So, you know, and then, Jim, we didn't have the interruption or of all the, you know, the opinions of, what, millions and billions of opinions out there in outer space somewhere that come into our homes nowadays to, you know, influence us. Um, I don't know. It was a pretty simple life. And I'm, I'm grateful for it. Do you think that's an, an issue in Amish life now? Um, I know that 
things have changed for them. There is still the old order Amish that try really hard, you know, to live by the rules, by the traditions and uh, all the things that they were taught growing up. And they're trying to pass that on to their, their children. And there's still a, I want to say a smaller um, sect of Amish, old order Amish that actually are able to maintain that because now uh, many of them have their own companies and they, I want to say most of them, I don't know that for a fact, but I should say many, many of them that own companies actually have a phone and they have to have computers to do, uh, you know, to stay in business. So the internet and the electronics of our day is changing them as people. And yes, I would say trying to interrupt and interfere with family life, but I have to tell you that family is so important to them that they will probably um, fight as hard as they can to keep the, I want to say the outward traditions, like, you know, go to church and sit around the table with your family and work hard. You know, I think that they still have a very good handle on the most important things, but I do believe that the internet and all of the electronics that they're, they're, they're fighting that today. Um, I, I don't know what it's, I don't know what it's going to look like in, you know, in, in a decade or two, but I do believe there's also the, um, they understand that it's loosely held right now with the young people, but, yeah. but they also understand that, um, that they'll be able to keep their people, their young people because they were, they, they provide what their kids need for them at a very young age. It's love, identity, acceptance, recognition, and security. The five basic needs of every man, woman, boy, and girl in the world. And I think that they have done a very good job at that. Is the Amish culture perfect? No, by no means. And they have their issues just like the rest of us do. But I they, was going to ask you that because – because you were lucky in that you had these role models that were good role models with work ethics, morals. Um, and, and absolutely. Th they knew how to, you know, treat you. And, and it, just like in life, you know, some people are unfortunately, you know, have parents that are not necessarily it, good role uh, models. It, exactly. Exactly. And what we're taught when we're young is what we're going to take with us throughout our life, you know. I, I believe that. And I, I also believe there's hope for anyone who's had a rough um, childhood and parents that have not parented them well. And there's still hope for them. And they can still find a good role model somewhere that they can follow and, and become um, better than, than even what their parents were or what their parents taught them. I believe in that. Um, but, but I also believe that, you know, the breakdown in family has uh, really um, taken its toll in our country and I, I suppose around the world. Now, what do you think about um, the access to transportation and <laughs> money and people? I have a child, a middle child who lives in California, um, which I understand, you know, because when I was a young person, I was chasing the dream of being an entertainment yeah. executive. Yeah. And I was willing to do anything uh, in terms of like moving, you know, and doing the thing uh, to achieve that goal. It's uh, like a major league baseball player. You only have so many places to go to play baseball. And if a team's calling you, 
But what does that do to the family? Because now it's not just baseball players, right? It's my middle kid is moving to another state. Yeah, I, I think that we're living in a very different world now than, than what it was like when I was a kid, for sure. And you might even say, since you were a kid, the world has changed. And I think that our priorities are not plain and simple, not... Uh, um, even maybe our values. I mean, for me, it was, it was God, it was faith, family, community, and working uh, together for the good of the community. And uh, that, that, back in the day, that's kind of what everyone did, right? Um, mm -hmm. Today, I think life has gotten harder for families and has interrupted family life. And yes, moving to another state, following your dream, your career, is it wrong? No, I, I don't think it's a right or wrong, but it, it is very, very different. And in the Amish world, they have still been able to somehow, uh, they're still very intact. And part of the reason for that, I believe, is that few of them actually ever move out of the community. Uh, if they do move out of the community, they move uh, in groups of anywhere from five to 10 families. So yeah. they seldom go out there on their own. And I think that you know, today we go out on our own, we go to college, we have a career. I travel all around the world by myself. Uh, wow, that was startling to me, you know, when I actually did that to where there's no one around me uh, on the plane with me or when I get to Indonesia and there's franchisees, I don't understand the culture. But wow, it began, it began to change me. Like there were, um, like in my community, everybody knew who I was, everybody knew me. Um, even before I was Auntie Anne, it's just the, the community. You just, you're always together, the same church, the same school, the same, you know, your family of, we're always together. And there's a lot of protection in that. Um, but I believe that when we go outside and follow our careers and we open ourselves up, we become, I, I say, more vulnerable. And I can, you know, I experienced some of that when I became Auntie Anne and began to travel around the country and around the world. It was scary for me because I wasn't, I wasn't familiar with that. Um, so I think kids today are encouraged, of course, to go to college and follow the career. And again, not a right or wrong, but um, it's very different. Yeah. We find that you have to work very hard to keep the family intact Absolutely. and make it a priority, even though yeah. yes. you live in other states. Absolutely. And and it's too easy to get consumed with your own stuff and say, I don't have time. Absolutely. Which is my, my wife always says, this is the reason she loves the holidays more yeah. than the religious reasons is it forces everyone to get together under the same roof and at the same table. Absolutely. And you know, and I think that when you go out and you move away to another community and we have done this uh, twice now in our lifetime, and uh, recently, or not recently, but about 10 years ago, we moved to Texas. And I had a brother here and he had a daughter. And uh, so I, there was a little bit of family and my one daughter was here. Uh, but you know, um, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, where the Amish, in that culture, uh, if, if I lived in Pennsylvania right now, my grandkids who are anywhere from 16 to 26, could have gotten a job anywhere at any time, either at a farmer's market, because everybody knew everybody, and there was always something for them to do. You could always find them a job. So we moved to Texas, and now our kids are, are those ages now.
and uh, they don't know anybody. You know, it, there, it's it's a very very different culture here, and to break into the uh, into the, the, the to the labor market right now and just to find a job, it, it's very difficult. So I think that's part of the negative of everybody the transitioning that we do uh, within our families. We're always moving around. We're always going to communities we don't know anyone, so therefore we don't have the connections. And then I think there, along with that, I think there's some accountability that we lose. Like, you know, when I was in my community, uh, I always kind of wanted to be good because I knew everybody was watching. I mean, everybody knew me, right? But when we go out and no one knows us, it's a very different uh, way to live. Interesting. Yeah. And, and to have your family come together even once a week around the table. Like, really? Is, is that even possible anymore? Right? Uh not for me. Uh, and and you know, <laughs> right. And, and you're probably the norm. And you know, when that changed for me is when we started Auntie Anne's and we went from two stores to uh, two stores in one year, and then the next year, 12, and the next year, 35, and the next year, 50. And suddenly, my little family, my husband, I have, have three daughters, one daughter that was killed when she was very young. We have two living daughters at that time, they were uh, 11 and 16. And almost overnight, uh, we were not able to come to the table anymore, as the name of my cookbook is, Come to the Table. And it really broke my heart because that's all I ever knew. Um, so yeah. uh, to come to the table will take an effort, although the title of my cookbook, that is kind of a call. And yeah. again, is it possible um, I think that, you know, whatever is really most important to us, um, I don't know. I, yeah, I get, you, I, I listen, know. that's why I say it, it could come in different forms, exactly. but you have to figure out a version of it. Uh, it look, doesn't necessarily have to be 5 o'clock. That's right. It could be Sunday at 11 and in the morning. Just once a week, and that's a great, right. great way to, to state that, yes, true. So let's let's dive into the cookbook these are inspired by i guess the th types of things you guys made as a family and in all seriousness like the breads are all enriched mm -hmm. it's not like the breads i bake um <laughs> although i would bake these and i would i look forward to trying them uh everything's got butter <laughs> milk and sugar yes <laughs> <laughs> Can you bake anything without those three ingredients? I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Okay. Um, that's pretty cool, man. Uh, tell me about it. I, 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 honestly, like, you guys were out in the fields, and I guess you weren't grazing on food in the cabinet all day, so no. you were able to stay pretty fit. <laughs> yes, absolutely. There, there were. This, yeah, go ahead. This is, this is comfort food. Absolutely. Um, you know, I guess also every culture has got their own way of making food, which is, of course. And uh, I mean, this is all I knew. And interesting that you would point that out because it is comfort food. And even the Auntie Anne's pretzel, um, it's a comfort food. And, uh, you know, the butter on the pretzel like, wow, I would never have thought about that, except that I love butter. 
And, uh, you know, it's not so bad for us because you, you dip a hot pretzel into hot butter. And people are like, oh, I can't take all that butter. It's very, very minimal. It's not very much. But uh, you're right. We, uh, as far as snacks, you know, like between breakfast and lunch, no, there were no snacks because we're, oh. all, we're all working um, between lunch and dinner. No. And I do remember at times because I'm in the kitchen, um, I would ask my mom, could I have a cookie or, but I would never go into the pantry and grab a cookie. Right. Um, so I guess we were able to absorb the sugar and the butter and the milk <laughs> because we were active. And, um, you know, well, the, the other thing is this is not processed, right? So it's also very different. Exactly. I, I, I have a little bit of an issue. Like my wife's always dropping the, all oh, the butter, the butter. And it's like, I believe this stuff is actually okay for you. If you're eating it in pure form and you're eating it in moderation um, and, and you're, if you're making it from scratch, I mean, there's no preservatives in this stuff. And, and I, I feel like processed foods is really what's killing us. Processed it's killing foods us without as question, as well as the, and I guess, Included in that is the processed flours, which I don't bake with. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm very against it. I'm trying to help spread that message that there's a real bread campaign out there. The bread in the United States, we're the only country that allows this bleached flour to be used on a mass scale. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know? and yeah, I, I totally agree. The processed food in whatever form it takes uh, is, is truly, it's not something that we... As, as a kid, as we were growing up, we never ate processed. I say never. Uh, <laughs> a, a candy bar or even ice cream, uh, we made that from scratch. So, but you know, I think that you can live life and enjoy food that is not processed, but you have to, you know, change your way of, of living. Right. Now, your, your cookbook runs the gamut <laughs> from from breads that and biscuits, right? Yep. Uh, and I love the, um, well, before I get to that, and then it also has like, there's a lot of healthy stuff in here, grapes, grape salads, uh, a lot of stuff with vegetables. Yes, absolutely. Pure fruits, jams. Yes. Um, so it, it's all types of things. And a lot of it, uh, I kind of liked, and I'm interested in trying something like the peach French toast. Uh -huh. Perfect. Because it's a little different than slicing one piece of bread and making a, a piece of French toast. It's almost like a casserole. Yes, it is. It is. Yes. So I, I think that no matter what, what your style or what it is that you enjoy, I think that we have a little bit of everything, but, but I truly, what you mentioned earlier, I truly grew up with, um, you know, butter, sugar, milk, and, and we put it in everything almost, you know, a, a pinch of sugar, a pinch of salt or a teaspoon of butter in our vegetables or whatever. We just did that um, in my growing up years. And so uh, there is a lot of that in, in the, yeah. uh, in the cook, a lot of that. And I know when, as we were putting it together, uh, the people that were helping with this, they, they noticed the same thing. I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. Well, it's what I've done. It's what I've done all my life. But you know, the other thing is, I think that growing up as kids, we were, none of us were ever, obese or uh, exactly. uh that was my point uh, overweight and i it's it's really it's really what you eat and and how you work that out in your body 
I agree. And also, I don't think it's a bad thing. And I wasn't applying that. And I know you know I wasn't. Because, like, I, th- here's how I use I'm going to use this cookbook. I'm not going to use this cookbook every day and make every meal for the rest of my life sure. from this cookbook, right? Sure. But, but <laughs> no. I'm going to pick out things that I'm going to try for all different reasons and all different occasions. Because um, there are things that I've never made or never had. And I, I, I think that's really interesting to introduce my family and my friends to these types of recipes. Yeah, and, and they, the baked goods. I mean, I mean, really, um, can anybody make something really good, uh, a bakery item without sugar and butter and a little bit of salt? No. And- <laughs> no. And you know what cracks me up? Uh, speaking about that, because I'm standing at the farmer's markets. I still do them. And uh, I, I'm selling bread. And so many people will tell me, oh, I'm off the bread. I'm off the bread. Yeah, yeah. And then I look two booths down. And they're online for these giant cookies, you know, or, or something. So I, they, they're fooling themselves. That's right. No, no. You know, if you want to have a healthy body by the time you're six years, 70, you got to start when you're 30 and 40 or even before, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's habits. It is habits. It's habits. You know, absolutely. Habits. Unless we break them, you almost have to break them. Uh, like truly break a habit. And then every now and again, you can treat yourself. And, w- and one of the right. ways that we did this as a family uh, many years ago, it was after Etienne started and we were eating pretzels and I would come home and, uh, you know, and have make some kind of a dessert over the weekend or whatever. One day uh, my husband said to me, Hans, if you don't make the desserts at home, then we won't eat them when we're here. Stop making desserts. Well, I had done that all my life. So speaking of habits, but that's when I started to stop making desserts at home. And if we had guests over, I would always make a dessert, but I really started. And I was probably at that time, I may have been 45 years old. So we just don't make desserts anymore at home. So we treat ourselves when we go out. See, my father was not a good eater. He was obese and, uh, you know, from the Italian American culture. And we grew up eating that way. Sure. So it, it is probably, I'm 55 now. It's probably something that still sticks with me, <laughs> unfortunately. And I'm constantly fighting those habits and what I'm used to. Well, I, but, uh, I think that the Italian way of cooking is also a lot of carbs, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's in my cookbook. I mean, you can't get, you just can't get around it, you know? But um, Yeah. So let's talk about browning butter and how important that is to Amish cooking. <laughs> It's hard for me to explain that, uh, but it's, it's in the recipe. It will show you a picture of what it's supposed to look like and how to do it. It's very simple because I've done it all my life, but you take a, I don't know, a tablespoon or a stick of butter, depending on how large your portion is, and you melt the butter very slowly and you keep your, you, you don't leave, you, you keep the pan on the, on the burner, but you mm-hmm. don't leave the pan. You stay there with it because it browns very, very quickly. And as, as it's browning, you'll see it begin to bubble up in the middle of like in the middle of the pool of butter that you have in there. And you'll begin to see it kind of bubbling up and it gets a little golden, a little more golden, a little more brown. And after a bit, uh, you'll see the whole pan of butter is brown. It takes a little bit of time, but you don't want to leave the pan or it will burn and then it's so good. But you can pour that over uh, noodles, over uh, mashed potatoes or... Uh, you can even put it on top of vegetables. It just adds a flavor. It's much better than just butter. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still cook that way whenever I cook. And, and is it is it better or is it this is now a habit and I'm used to the way it tastes? Well, both. It's okay. better. It's better, and I'm used to the way it tastes. I yep. brown butter on mashed potatoes. The next time you make mashed potatoes, if you make oh, I will. Uh, if you make I'm maybe five or six nice sized potatoes. You could actually do a quarter a stick of butter and brown it, and uh, and then just pour it over the top of the mashed potatoes, and you'll taste the difference. <laughs> yeah. And and the breads that you do talk about in the cookbook are they breads that you made daily? Did you always have bread during the day? Like at at some point? We always had breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We always had toast in the morning bread at, at uh, lunch, we either maybe sandwiches, but always had bread on the table. My mom, when we would set the table, it was, uh, she would say, I, I can say it better in Dutch, brood, wasser und stiel. She would say to me, Anne, do we have the bread, the water, and the chairs at the table? <laughs> so, I mean, it sounds silly, right? But in order for 10 people to come together every day, Uh, We had to make sure everything was in order so that when everybody came to sit down, we all had our certain place to sit. And uh, yes, so bread was, we had it every meal. Now the Amish sweet dough bread reminds me of what I think of a sandwich bread. Uh, Sure. It can be a sandwich bread or it can be just a slice of bread. (laughs) And the other thing was uh, we always ate our bread with butter and jelly. Always. (laughs) So, you know, yeah, here we go. We're, we're really uh, loading up on the carbs and the sugar. And uh, um, I guess if you don't want processed foods to make the things that are in my cookbook, then you can always get the vegetables and the fruits and you can make your own jelly. Um, right. Which or, or buy it at a farmer's market. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. There are places right. that you can get uh, pretty uh, wholesome and healthy foods. Yeah. Speaking of wholesome and healthy, let's jump to the chicken and waffles. <laughs> Ooh, I love that. How how often was was that a treat or was that something that was in the rotation? I made chicken and waffles very often and it was kind of a, uh, a somewhat of a specialty dish for me when I was uh, even when I would entertain uh, with Auntie Anne folks, I I would make chicken and waffles because it was a very unique. Uh, nobody had ever had chicken and waffles. What, what do you mean chicken okay. and waffles? So you know the way it's described in the cookbook and the way I would make it, I would always use uh, legs and thighs and some white meat if you prefer, but cut it up. I mean bake it. Uh, I would uh, bake it to very. It would fall off of the bone. I would just cook it till it falls off the bone, and then I would uh, take it and. Um, uh, cut it up in very small chunks and then i would make a cream sauce which is described in in the cookbook and uh cream it all together with the chicken and the cream sauce and again the cream sauce is made out of a uh, canned milk uh, a little bit of flour uh, butter um and eggs and uh you would make this sauce and then pour it over the the cut up chicken and then you would make waffles, uh, however you make waffles. I mean, today, if you want to go to the store and buy frozen waffles, if you want to cut it short, you can always do that. But I always made my own 
uh, waffle batter. And that's also in the cookbook. And so then you would take a waffle and, um, and just pour over some of the creamed chicken. And uh, wow, it's really good. <laughs> and then with that, I would always have a side dish of uh, sweet peas, green peas. Uh, nice. which was always a very, we, we had lots of peas growing up because we had our gardens and uh, green peas was, um, always, that's what we would eat with the chicken and waffles. So yeah, it's a specialty dish. It's not very fancy, but it is very, it's unique. Yeah. And, and some of the stuff, I mean, this really is a book for the home baker. Yes, it right? is. Absolutely. Because so, some, some of it's pretty simple. That's what I'm saying. I'm not a gourmet chef. So if you open, if you buy the book and you're looking for something really amazing, like complicated, um, it's pretty, it's down home cooking. And although some of the recipes may seem a little complicated, take more time than others. Um, most of the recipes you can make before dinner. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's like you, you can think through what you're going to have for dinner that night. And uh, I would often just throw stuff together, uh, maybe within an hour, hour and a half of uh, having dinner. So it's not complicated, but like anything, until you learn it, it can feel, it, it can't feel overwhelming, uh, overwhelming yeah. at times. Yes. Well, I enjoyed it and I do plan to, to try a lot of it. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, I hope that you uh, text me, let me know what's your favorite. I know you're going to, you won't do everything, but you know, for example, if you want homemade jelly, yeah. uh, if you love jelly jam, um, uh, I have a recipe in there, pineapple and strawberry jelly or jam, whatever you prefer. It, it, it takes 10, 15 minutes to make it. And you put it in a little jar and you seal it and, it is the best jam. Of course, there's sugar in there, but <laughs> it's very simple to do uh, for again. I'm okay <laughs> with the sugar, man. I really, I, I'm, and I don't mean like, I don't care about health and my, I don't really think that it's a problem if you eat this stuff in moderation and you're not eating this stuff all day long, which Absolutely. I am victim of that. So, well, but. everything in moderation, I really believe yeah. in that. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I really appreciate you coming on. I do want to ask you one, uh, one last question about Auntie Anne's. Is it still going strong? Are you still involved? Um, Auntie Anne's was sold. We sold it in 05. Okay. Yes. And, uh, my, my second cousin bought the company at that time and he grew up in the Amish culture. So that was a perfect fit for me to sell to him. And then he owned it for about five and a half years and sold it to a company in Atlanta, Georgia, Focus Brands. The, the parent company to that is called Rourke. And um, Auntie Ant is still growing uh, wow. at the rate of speed that it always has. And you know what? I, I, I still sing the praises of Auntie Ant's. And I've said this when I was at, uh, when I owned the company, my biggest concern and my passion was if you do the pretzel perfectly, like we teach you how to do it, it's a perfect product. The customers will not be able to resist it and the company will continue to grow. But if you take shortcuts and you don't follow the, uh, follow this system and, uh, uh, you know, the, like any recipe, Jim, you know, you can take a recipe and give it to 10 different people 
and it mm -hmm. may come back and, and, and there's 10 different ways to actually, you know, make this and it may not taste at the end of the 10th person, it may not taste like your bread. Um, yeah. So it's very important to follow the rules in my cookbook. And Auntie Anne's knows it's really important for the franchisees to follow the rules as a system. And as long as they do that, then they will continue to grow. And I still love Auntie Anne's. I'm not involved in any way except that uh, when I, in, in all of my travels, I will stop by the stores and say hello to them and, you know, just uh, give them a little encouragement and um, love on the people because it's really all about the people. There you go. And that's why we call this show Bread for the People. I love that. I love that. Yes. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, thank you. All right. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you, Chip, for your time. And I really appreciate it. And I bless you. And I pray that you just sell lots of bread the next five, ten. I don't know. As long as you want to. I hope that it goes well for you. I appreciate it. All right. This episode of Bread for the People was brought to you by Side Hustle Bread, Long Island's handcrafted artisanal bread company. Side Hustle Bread is a family-run business that's bringing the neighborhood feel back to Long Island one loaf at a time. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to head on over to iTunes and rate and review this episode. Reviewing and rating is the most effective way to help us grow our audience. This episode was produced by Milestone TV and Film. I'm your host, Jim Serpico. Blessed be the bread, everyone.